Hello and welcome to your GG Replay for Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. GG Replay is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show where we break down the latest in gaming news hosted by us, the Goodnight Groofs, a place for games, well, and a place for some gosh darn goofs. You know, I mean, we're workshopping the slogan, but my name is Paul, and I am joined, as always, by Matt. I still can't quite believe it's 2022, Matt. I, I went to write the title of this episode, like when I was doing the recording, and I, I wrote 21, and I, my brain went, no, no, which this is uh, something I haven't thought of in a while, but, you know, I feel like in grade school, that was always a thing that happened, right? Always like, Oh, yeah. I'd spend like the first few weeks like writing the wrong date. Not something I do as an adult. I, I, I pick up pretty quick, but that was a, a common thing I remember. Yeah, I don't know why. Like as a kid, we wrote the date so much. Maybe that All was the why time. it was ingrained. <laughs> but also I feel like I, I write the date a lot at work. But yeah. for some reason, I don't Maybe I'm just like more aware of the world around me now. And so like I'm more aware of the, yeah. I guess you're here, not, here's you're not eight years old. You're not eight years old anymore. So that makes a difference. <laughs> here's, I think here's a difference too, is that yes, I'm still writing the date all the time or typing it or whatever, but I'm more in tune with where I am on the calendar because yeah. of business reasons and not just like, Oh, wait, what day is tomorrow? It doesn't yeah. matter. I'm going to school anyway. Right. It matters what day it is, and it's not just arbitrarily marking it. Like, I feel like we marked it for the teacher to be able to keep track of right, like, what right. things were. Whereas for us, we were like, I don't care what day it is unless it's Friday or a Saturday or something. Yeah, I just look up at the board what the teacher had, like the teacher would have the date on yeah. there. And then uh, whatever they had, that's that's going on my paper. They have to teach you to care about the date when you're young. So you so you are ready <laughs> for the world later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But happy, happy hump day, Paul. Hump day. Happy hump day. Wednesday. Hump day. What a, what a great day, I think, just because it's Wednesday and we like Wednesday. That's it. It's a good one. It's one of the it's one of the top ones, I think, behind Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I would say I it's like the, here's the thing. Hump, hump day is is real because beginning yeah. of the day on Wednesday sucks. But end yeah. of day Wednesday is fucking phenomenal because it's, yeah. it's you're more than halfway done now. All right, let's let's move into the show. This is a gaming podcast, and uh, we talk about video games here. Surprisingly, from the first, well, oh, we're only we're only three minutes in. I really thought we spent like ten. It felt like I'll an stop hour. Stop watching went by. the clock. We're trying to do an entertaining show here. <laughs> it just it just felt like an hour went by since we started talking about uh, Crimson and and grade school. All right. Let's move in to the show. First off, I just want to remind everyone that if you come across any necessary corrections in today's episode or just want to leave us a comment, send an email to ggreplayshow at gmail.com so we can address them in the next episode. That's an order. Get oh. on your computer or cell phone or tablet or, uh, well, not your, I was going to say your BlackBerry playbook, but that is no longer uh, working. RIP to BlackBerry. Is that official? That's official. January 4th, uh, yesterday, uh, BlackBerry shut down all of their BlackBerry servers for like all of the, 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 the last of their software stuff. So all that, anything that didn't run on Android, which was the playbook and the Q10, Z10, all that kind of stuff. So how much sad. notice did they give? Uh, a, a long time, like months oh, and months. Okay. Yeah. Cause the, the um, first I heard about it was yesterday. I guess that's because yeah. that was the day. Yeah. It was the day. It was the reckoning uh, B day as they call it. And uh, mm -hmm. Heinz uh, Ketchup in Canada was doing a little a little deal where you could send your B, your old BB, BBM pin, and they would give you like a coupon for ketchup as like Ooh. a as like a sorry for uh, for for that. I don't know why they're like they're Canadian, <laughs> we're Canadian. I don't know Canada. I don't know. 
Anyway, <laughs> send us an email. We want to hear from you about ketchup, about video games, or about writing the date wrong. All are very important, and we love to hear from the fans, the community. Matt, no reviews today. Games still haven't come out, uh, but don't forget we have two big games coming out this year, Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild 2. Um, so that's very important to keep in mind. <laughs> Just the two big releases. That's a callback to Monday's episode where those are the only two games I can name that were coming out. Well, I out. thought about it after the fact. Not only does Breath of the Wild 2 not have a release date, you also picked a game that doesn't even have a title yet. Nope. Nope. Unofficial, <laughs> unofficial Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel. Uh, it might come out in November. <laughs> we'll see. Um, oh, I also thought of another game coming out, though. Uh, oh. There, There is uh, Grand... Uh, what is it? Uh, Saints Row. So there you go. There's another oh, one coming out. Oh, good. If I, yeah. <laughs> if I try to remember... If I try to, but uh, the other one. Yeah. If I can remember more games coming out in 2022, I'll try to remember them for the next time we talk about this. But that, there's at least three, probably. I'm glad that All you right. do a gaming news podcast and you can write <laughs> two, maybe three upcoming games for the year. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's all about practice, right? All right, let's move in. We got some, we've got some interesting stories today. We really do, legitimately, some interesting stories today. So if you have not been following gaming news today, you are in for a treat. And if you have, well, we have some stuff to say about them. First off, PlayStation VR two and PlayStation VR two Sense controller, the next generation of VR gaming on PS five. This was a press release from Sony, kind of going through. They leaked, well, they didn't leak. They, I mean, they put out the specs for the upcoming PSVR 2, which is awesome. Uh, there was, on Monday, we talked about kind of a rumor or, like, leak that they were going to go into mass production soon on those devices. So, you know, Matt, I think you were saying they're probably trying to get ahead a little bit of that and just go ahead and say it all themselves and, you know, keep the story in- internal, right? But also CES. So I'm thinking that the announcement was planned and then that this person, they must have, since the announcement was planned and they were going forward with it, um, on yeah. what day was that? I guess Tuesday. And the leak yeah. was on on Monday or over the weekend. The guy mm-hmm. probably heard that, okay, officially we can go in mass pro- uh, mass production now because, yeah, I just figured that they probably waited till the last minute because once it goes into mass production, the specs are out there. People are going to know. It's locked in, right? Yeah, because then there's leaks from like supply chain, things like that. So, yeah. And then, you know, you get all that weird stuff where people are like, I thought it was going to look, look different. So there you go. Um, OK, let's run through some of these specs quickly because they are <laughs> they are impressive. First off, we have an HDR capable OLED display, which in VR is pretty cool. We don't see a lot of OLED displays. Now there are downsides to having an OLED display, certainly uh, in in a VR in VR glasses. But uh, there are some VR glasses. What am I like <laughs> in 1978? Um, also, panel resolution of 2000 by 2040 per eye. That means. It is going to be 4K, baby. This is uh, some 4K PSVR, which is awesome because, you know, we want to reduce screen dooring. We want some high resolution goggles. This is so cool to see 4K and OLED on these things. They are going all out there. I, I can't think of any other, you know, very like not cheap, but like, you know, entry level or like mid-level VR goggles that really have this kind of technology in them. Uh, moving on, panel refresh rate, it can either do 90 hertz or 120 hertz, which is also, again, super impressive. And when you're looking that close up, 4K OLED and 120 hertz means a lot uh, to it feeling real. 
Um, also, we have a bigger field of view than we've seen on other stuff before, approximately 110 degrees, which is fantastic. Uh, there's a camera based uh, in they have camera based inside out and controller tracking, which is important. I know that PS VR right now uses light based controller tracking yeah. and, and head based tracking, and that is kind of rough sometimes with like bright rooms and things like that. I've seen so this is pretty awesome. I think I, I, I think it doesn't come without its caveats, but it's a cool way to do it. Uh, I think also, they, and they this, did that. Yes, sorry, not not to to interrupt you, but I think the reason why they did that was mostly to be able to repurpose the move controllers, and exactly. that, that was sort of the whole basis for that. Yeah, uh, that makes total sense. Uh, and then here's something, and I think this is going to be a game changing kind of thing because no one else is doing this in this in the in the consumer VR space. And this is eye tracking with foveated rendering support. So this is huge. First off, eye tracking in a consumer product like this at this level is really impressive because the technology is there, but it's not something that anyone else has really put in to VR at this stage. Also, foveated rendering support is super cool because then basically it works with your peripheral vision so it can tell where you're looking, focuses that area more and uses wow. more perform. So it can tell where you're looking just like your real eyes, obviously, and can kind of like create a circle of vision there. And then they can save performance power by kind of blurring the edges a bit because it's your they know it's your peripheral vision. Wow. Now, I now this is obviously just what they've said they're doing. We don't know how well it's going to work or if the technology will be to the level that we want, but that is supported and and put into this, which I think is one of the game changer things they're doing here that's I think really going to innovate. So, uh, it's just nuts. Um also we're moving on haptic feedback on the controller on the headset which is awesome. Uh the big thing about this uh, I think from what I've seen is probably going to be more about uh, reducing nausea and things like that, slight movements and, and like haptic feedback to try to like make you feel more comfortable in the space, not so much like rocking your head when things happen. There there was mention of that, like you can feel maybe a heartbeat or, or feel things in the game too sometimes, like you can really feel like you're there a bit more. But there are technologies I think that can reduce nausea and and and, uh, and disorientation and things like that. So that's Just give cool. me a head massage while it's up there maybe. I mean, that would be great. Maybe I think that if you have the strap, the right thing, you could probably put one of those big head massagers on be great um also what do we else do we have here they have a one usb-c connection to head just one um, cord you know i guess it would have been great if it were wireless but that technology just really isn't there for this and you know it is what it is usb-c is great it's a massive step massive step up from current psvr there are so many cords and you have that little transition box and it, it's the, the whole that's that's the main reason why i I've moved multiple times since I've gotten PSVR. Uh, and after the first time I moved, I never got it back out of the box because it's such a hassle <laughs> to put it together. Yep, totally. And I, I think having one USB-C cord is pretty awesome. The fact that you could probably just like pop it out and toss the headset over there and then pop it back in and you're, you're hooked up is really cool. And also it just helps when you don't feel those heavy cords in you. Obviously, you know, you're tethered and I know there's, I've seen lots of debate about, you know, how intrusive it is to know you're tethered versus not knowing, but it definitely helps to not have a big heavy cord on your shoulders that you definitely feel more than you do not feeling it, which is good. Um, obviously headphone jack, which is cool. I mean, obviously, but it's good to have, uh, there's capacitive sense touch on buttons, haptic feedback on the controllers, adaptive trigger. They're saying it's probably going to be an adaptive trigger like the PS5 DualSense kind of stuff, which is awesome. Uh, in addition, built-in rechargeable batteries in the controllers. This thing, I know I spent a long time talking about specs, uh, just kind of rattling them off, but this is so 
awesome. Like I can't, this is nuts. Uh, I mean, Matt, just listening to this, I know you're not like a big spec nerd, but I mean, does any, does anything in particular here, like really jump out to you as being excited as someone who has the PSVR, the first edition and like anything that seems like it's really going to change the experience for you? I think generally just the resolution and the OLED, just because you're right. I'm not a spec nerd and I'm a, I'm a Neanderthal when it comes to this sort of thing. So it's, <laughs> well, it's you like of, to just use the product, right? You're exactly. not like looking at why it's good. You're just enjoying it. Yeah. Right. So like just putting on a VR headset was impressive to me, but, but, but my biggest complaint was, um, sometimes it would be really blurry. Um, uh, this is, this has always been a VR thing. Like it's mm-hmm. the game does not look as sharp as it does on your TV. Right. Just because the technology wasn't there. This probably also isn't necessarily going to look as sharp as it is on the TV. Maybe. I don't know. My my TV is 4K in the 4K in the eyes is that close to your face. We're getting there. That's really. So maybe maybe it will be. Maybe that's really what the next big step was for VR. And I think that's also a big, big part of making it feel more immersive to just taking away that that blurriness. And again, I didn't even know about the whole um haptic feedback in the headset i guess i i knew about it but i didn't know the reasoning and and to know mm-hmm. that it's to help with nausea is a big deal for me because i yeah, i mean I they haven't confirmed that but that seems to be a heavy rumor that that's probably the kind of the kind of tech they're putting in from patents and things like that so well i hope so because that was another thing like uh, the psvr d- it totally would depend on the game. Some some games I like just straight up really couldn't even play. In other games, I could be in there for two, three hours. I could never really go more than three hours before I would have to take it off. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I would like have a headache kind of for the rest of the day. But I just and felt that's, like that's that, a good reason why OLED's supposed to be good too, because it's you know you yeah, see the deeper yeah. blacks and things like that. Everything's gonna look a bit more naturalistic. Hopefully that's good. So anything that just makes it a more comfortable experience and like like we said, the, the USB-C connection, the one connection, anything that makes it simpler, more comfortable and um, more sharp to me, those are the three main things that it needed. And it seems like those are all getting addressed in a really big way. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. I don't know if it's going to be a day one purchase. It depends on the launch lineup, obviously, but we're about yeah. to talk about that in a little bit. But um I will be getting it absolutely because this is my way to get into VR. I don't, I have a fine PC, but I don't have a PC where I can put in a VR headset and I can really max things out. So this is going to be my thing. Also, last thing, moving on from the move controllers and getting proper controllers with controller tracking is a massive deal because that was definitely one of the things that uh, PSVR was lagging behind in was the controllers. Yeah, having capacitive touch on the controllers is huge. Having that, having really nice touch, having uh, dual sense like PS5 kind of triggers is massive on VR. The yeah. fact that you can pull a trigger and feel oh, yeah. like that, feel the, the the tension and be in VR. I think they can do a lot of really magical things with that kind of haptics. And I'm really excited. Uh, here's the thing. So, you know, it's funny. It's funny how the hype machine works though, right? But I saw this this morning. I got really excited about it. Hmm. And then, or like, yeah, I guess probably yesterday I saw it. But I got really, really excited about it and then i went you know what i don't know i don't even have a ps5 so this is at this point would be like a thousand dollar you know this is going to be like a huge investment to me to like jump to get one of these things eventually even in the next year or two and i thought you know maybe you know i could drop 400 canadian i think 300 us or whatever get a 
Oculus Quest 2, dip my toes in, try it wireless, just like see if I like some VR for now. Maybe I'll upgrade later. But talking about this again just makes me feel like I'm like I'm buying the past, man. If I'm buying an Oculus Quest 2, I feel like I got to go all in. This is impressive technology. And it's not just the benefit of buying, you know, having a VR thing that plays well on your Sony console with all your favorite Sony characters and games. It's about having like one of the best possible VR. I mean, possibly one of the best VR experiences that is out there, possibly the best. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be enticing for VR developers, whereas PSVR originally, specifically, I think because of the Move controllers, probably wasn't. So I think that this is going to be big for getting ports of strictly PC VR games moved on to, to PlayStation 5. Yeah, which is cool because we saw, you know, PlayStation games going to PC recently. Now we might see PC games come to PlayStation in the sense of VR titles. It's cool to see them playing ball a little bit because, you know, they're typically kind of insular. So it's cool to see that. Now, last thing I want to talk about here before we move on to talk about launch lineup stuff is pricing. Now, pricing is yet to be determined. But I think this will be very interesting considering the specs and the innovation that the product is bringing to consumer VR. Matt, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I saw some different things from looking back at the past, but I'm pretty sure PSVR launched at the same price as the PlayStation 4 at the time it launched. It then went down like $100 lower, I think. Um, and then they bundled this and they bundled the Sense controllers or not the Sense controllers, pardon me, the, the Move controllers in some of the, the the packages. It might be the package that comes with the Move controllers that was the same price as the PS4. I think that, that, might, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was the case. Um, you know, are we going to see... I, I, think, I think the question here is $400, $500, maybe more. I, I saw some people saying, hey, listen, if they came in with two, $299, they could pull that classic PS1 thing and like drop the mic or PS, you know, whatever, and everyone would freak out. I, Two ninety nine is infeasible at this at the, with the with the kind of specs they have here. They would be taking such a loss that it would not be. I just can't imagine it. It would be cool. I I would like that. But how close are we seeing this? The same as the digital edition? Are we seeing this the same as the disc edition? What do you think, Matt? I think four hundred. I don't think you can go above that. I just don't. Maybe four fifty. I just you can't go five hundred with this thing. You really can't. You but cannot. The tech. That's you the can't problem. It's that's, just, it's, yeah, no, the tech is great, but you can't have people looking at it and saying, you can't have that four digit number. You can't have people saying, I'm going to buy the PS5 and the PSVR 2 for $1,000. You can't do that. So I, I'm thinking 400. They're definitely going to take some sort of a loss on it. But I think a huge part for them is, first off, Xbox doesn't even have VR. So they have that yeah, yeah. ahead of them. And I think they're competing with PC VR here at this point. They're they competing are. with someone. They know that video cards, are, you know, even it's hard to get a PS5, but I think the argument might be here and I'll let you finish. I'm so sorry. But I think the argument might be here. $500 for a PS5, $500 for, or for maybe $400, whatever. You're paying around $1,000 to get this whole bundle and you're getting what is more capable than a lot of gaming PCs at this point in the price bracket and VR that's way better than any other VR in the price bracket. For You're probably paying half of what you'd pay for a, game, a similar gaming PC with a similar VR setup honestly i do think that they're definitely going to sell this as a luxury type vr experience i don't think that they're they're not going to come at this the way that they did with psvr where it's like oh yeah we're we're here we're entering the vr space but it's not but, but not, it's also four hundred dollars it's like whoa right. whoa whoa wait 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 <laughs> what i think this yeah. time they're like yeah this is like a Rolls Royce of VR. This is just as good as the top 
top of the line uh, PC VR uh, headsets. So I think they're going to go go about it that way. If they do, maybe they can try to push 500. I just have a really hard time seeing them trying to sell it for $500. That's such a steep ask for for people. Uh, 400 just seems right to me. I don't know. I, I I think that's good. I think that makes sense. And I and I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with 400 guests. I just yeah, they might be they might be going, "Hey, listen, yeah, we all, you may be almost paid 400 for like the PSVR before and it wasn't worth it. Well, now this is like going to be worthy of that even though we're probably taking a loss." But I will say I do think P- PlayStation's becoming a bit more of a bespoke thing. I think, you know, the fact that not everyone can get it, you know, isn't even the issue. There's a lot of people, you know, who are still willing to pay that price, $500, whatever, and that's awesome. But it is, it, I feel like they're kind of catering to these big, epic, super expensive single-player experiences that are like, are cinematic, and that's kind of a big thing. You know, the, the hardware itself is really powerful and really big. And, you know, they're, they're coming out with, I think they're really playing on the premium brand stuff a lot more. And I'm not saying that's i'm not even saying anymore for pricing but i'm just saying i think that's what they're doing with the psvr too this is just kind of furthering that where they're not like hey here's a kind of you know decent headset that'll let you play playstation in vr it's like no here's like the next generation of vr and it happens to be at playstation and and i think that's a huge difference and i think you know when you look at like stuff like the xbox series s you know that's not really even what PlayStation's looking to. I know they have the digital edition and stuff but that's not even really how they're marketing they're like we have one thing and it's really good yeah, if they do go 500, it'll be because they're completely comfortable in the idea at this point that Xbox is not doing VR, and so they don't even have to worry about them from a console standpoint. Um, and they they will know that they can sell another feature that they can sell that the PS5 has that the Xbox doesn't yeah. have is VR, um, and then they can really charge whatever they want for it. Because it, here's the thing: is even if they do charge $500 for it, the thing is, if you have a PC that's decent, I mean, if you're if you're a top of the line, if you have a top of the line PC, you're probably playing most of your games on PC. But if you have like a decent PC, they can run VR, but you're you're a PlayStation 5 owner. If you're getting VR, you're getting PSVR too. You're not getting B- VR for your PC, um, no. no matter what the price is. So I think that that's one way that they could get away with the 500. I just, I don't know. I just have a really hard time seeing that, that price tag on that. I totally get it. Yeah. And especially me up in here in Canada where like the PS5 is $630 uh, I'm and PSVR would probably be, I'm looking at like paying close to 1500 for the two of them. <laughs> what one last thing and then we've got to move on. But do you think this is going to come bundled with sense, these like sense controllers, or do you think there might be a version where you can just get the headset, no controllers? And do you think that'll factor into price? Because I think that's where you start to get into that 500. Cause in my head, I'm thinking 500 with these two really high end controllers and maybe 400. If you're just getting a headset, that could be it. That could be it. I, I think you could be right on that. They're going to have two versions because you're going to be able to, it's going to be compatible with the dual sense. You're not going to need these There's people PSVR who just want to sit there and, and play their game in VR and they don't want to pl- like do VR movement. You know, I think there's going to be people like that. Yeah. So they're going to have that option and you might be right. Maybe the version that comes bundled with controllers is the $500 version that that mm-hmm. does make a little bit more sense. Yeah. All right, let's move on and talk a bit, a bit more, a bit more about PSVR two. But now we're going to talk about a launch, possible launch title. Uh, Sony's first PSVR two game is Horizon Call of the Mountain. It's going to be developed by Guerrilla Games in partnership with Fire Sprite. 
Look at that. Uh, also, you know, keen on remembering this, Sony acquired Fire Sprite this past September. We talked about it on G- GG Replay, and we were kind of like, oh, you know, is this going to be for VR? What is this going to be? They did a lot of acquiring acquisitions last year, and we were kind of trying to guess what some of them were, but this one we weren't 100% sure. Um, Fire Sprite itself, also worth mentioning, acquired Fabric Games later that month, bringing their full team to 265 people. That's a big team. I didn't yeah, realize they were. I didn't realize they were that big a studio. Actually, that's that's massive. Uh, so yeah, pretty notable here. We saw a tiny teaser, mostly you know the developers talking about the game, but we did see a little bit of footage. The story will be told through the eyes of an entirely new character, not someone we know. So I think they're going to try to take this in a bit of a different direction. But Aloy will appear among other familiar characters. Matt, do you think this is a good, do you think this is the right kind of launch title for PSVR 2? Do you think this is like right on the money? I, I think this is exactly right, right? I think to cater to uh, to Sony, I think they also need probably to have something more like, you know what I mean? More movement-y, more metaverse but I think this is a great way to get into Sony IPs. I think it is because I think what they're really going to focus on when it comes time to show gameplay is the bow. The fact that, you know, with these new controllers and their, uh, their triggers, their adaptive triggers and the haptic feedback and all that in VR shooting a bow sounds like a really cool idea. So I think that's sort of what, where they're going to be going. That's the route they're going to be taking it in. So you're right. It's like a three minute video and it's like 20 seconds of footage Uh, so yeah, it looks from the footage that it's potentially an on rails type thing, which I wouldn't be shocked with because in a game like horizon, I mean, it's obviously not going to be some massive open world thing. And that's always been sort of the issues with VR is movement player movement within the world. We saw a game like doom, which is a game with a lot of chaotic fast movement do the whole teleporting movement thing, which just to me doesn't work if you're, tr- I yeah. mean, that completely changes what doom is. Yeah. I don't know. I I'll, I want to see the controllers in motion and see like, you know, do they have little sticks on each of the controller where you're moving the character around? Um, or at least on I, maybe the right hand controller, um, it maybe, or I guess it would be the left hand controller have a, a movement stick of some sort. Uh, as far as like moving forward and backward, obviously the camera is your face. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how, how that issue is going to be solved in VR going forward. I think some games like Rec Room, I've, I've told you about this when I played like their little paintball game, it had regular movement in it. Like you are yeah. pushing the stick um, around to, to, to move around and you're using your head as the camera and um, it doesn't have teleportation movement. I think teleportation movement really takes me out of games in VR. Mm-hmm. But then you have the whole motion sickness issues with, with regular motion, and that's why Doom couldn't do it. So I, I don't know what the plan is as far as that going forward. So that's that all that to say, that's sort of to me why it looks like this first big PlayStation game on PSVR 2 is some sort of on-rails shooter thing. I hope it's not... But that's also not to say that you can't do that correctly and it can't be fun. So I don't know. Right. We'll, we'll have to see. I think it, it'll be cool to exist in that world, whatever it is. But I'm curious to see what the game actually ends up looking like and also how these games are going to be priced. Are they going to be $50, $60? Are they going to be $70 games like other first-party first Sony games? I, I don't know. 
Um, I hope not, especially if it's a short on-rail shooter. $70 is a big ask, even if it's a luxury VR product. But we'll have to see. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to consider, like maybe like the, with the on rails aspect, maybe something like Astro's Playroom, where it's more about testing out and feeling out VR with familiar characters, with familiar settings, and it's more of a kind of an introduction to VR. And then maybe in two years, three years, this is obviously like the kind of technology that's going to last. Both the PS5 and the PSVR2, these are not things you're, that are going to going to last for two or three years for even five years. These are probably going to be like 10 year products. So I, maybe. So I, I'm thinking that in that scenario, um, you know, this might be a good chance for them to just come in and kind of show off some of the stuff you can do with the look of it. How I think, I think the keys here are how great this is going to look. Cause that's yeah, a big thing that they're yeah. fo- focusing on here with, with the, the specs for the, for the visual aspect. And I think, Horizon's a great way to show that. And, and I think stuff like draw distance and, and being able to see that's going to be great. But you know what they're showing here, they, they're not really like, it feels less movement-y. So I don't think it's really their focus here. And I think also their thing is obviously dual sense, that kind of stuff, right? The, the haptics, the, the triggers, the, the, feel, the, the tension, right? And so I, when you mentioned the bow stuff, I didn't even think about that, but you can literally do that thing where you like in VR, you could hold your hand out, you could hold your other hand yeah. back. And as you pull the string, you could feel the tension of the bow string. That is... Like, I mean, again, they haven't said this is going to be, it probably will be something like that. That's nuts. I think that's really, really cool. And I think that shows enough of what the, the, the potential is. And I think also, like you're saying for pricing, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's okay for this to be like, again, like an Astro's Playroom where they use IP that people love like Horizon, but maybe this is more of, you know, they understand that it's not going to be a full game. So maybe it'll be priced a little lower. It's not going to be a full thing, but this is like an introduction with characters you like. So I don't know. That's kind of what I'm guessing it's going to be. Um, you know, I feel like there'd be a little, I guess there wouldn't be because they just announced PSVR 2. I was going to say, I feel like it'd be a little more hype, but I just feel like it doesn't have, triple A is the wrong word, but like it doesn't have full game written all over it to me. It has experience written all over it to me. Yeah, and, and you saying that makes me sort of wonder if it could potentially even be a sort of tie-in product where it's a, just a part of the package. You get PSVR 2 and you get Horizon Call of the Mountain. Now, obviously, they want to try to sell this sort of thing. And, you know, they're talking about these big AAA experiences. But if it's not necessarily a AAA thing, if it is a smaller thing that's just showing it off, maybe it's packaged in i don't know i doubt it but that would be great if it is it would be cool and and i'm really interested to see more what they're doing like i said it'd be interesting to see if we get more metaverse kind of games or at least one like we mentioned earlier before the show talking about stuff like playstation home and there's a lot of hype around something like that coming out so I'm excited to see. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg here for what PSVR 2 is going to be. Uh, we, we can't talk about it all day or we'll, <laughs> we'll run the show three hours long. But I am really, really excited. I think we're both really, really excited for this. And we're going to keep following it because I think there's going to be more awesome stuff to talk about going forward. All right. Moving on to another kind of big announcement. Not as, not as exciting, but another like kind of big thing that happened today. Ubisoft, or I always say this, Ubisoft plus is coming to xbox and rainbow six extraction is launching on xbox game pass this is kind of interesting just because it's kind of an a controversial uh, announcement today first off ubisoft plus already does exist on pc you might be thinking i've heard of ubisoft plus but it's now coming to xbox it allows access to more than 100 ubisoft titles at a single monthly cost this episode is brought to you by ubisoft no i'm kidding God. uh <laughs> 
The PC version currently costs about $14.99 USD. I think you can pay an extra couple bucks and you can use Stadia and that's like the only thing they add to it. I'm not 100% sure how pricing will work. They have not, I don't think said exactly how pricing is going to work for the Xbox version, but they have said this is a separate subscription from Game Pass. So unlike something like EA Play, well, it's more like how EA Play launched where it's a separate subscription from Game Pass, except EA Play, I think it launched was like five bucks a month. This is 15, at least probably bucks a month for basically it's the same price as Game Pass Ultimate and it's just Ubisoft games. I will say the difference here with this and EA Play was that games took a few months from EA Play from a new EA game to come out on EA Play. So it was kind of like an after the fact thing. This, though, was going to give you like the games when they come out. There's going to be like special monthly things where you can get like Xbox Game Pass perks kind of thing. There's cosmetics, things like that. There's going to be DLC. So, you know, they, if you really love Ubisoft, it's not the worst deal, honestly. Or if you just want to like go through a backlog of Assassin's Creed games or something for a month or two and you just want to sub, makes total sense. Well, it's but a good it's way not... to buy Ubisoft games because then you can buy, right. pay for a month for 15 bucks, play the new game and then cancel it. Right. It's kind of a bad deal for them almost, but I mean, it's certainly not something you're going to want to have 12 months every year. It's, you're probably not going to have an ongoing Ubisoft Plus subscription, I would think. Um, you know, Matt, do you think, I mean, they clearly have some deals going with Microsoft. Do you think maybe they should have like, do you think 15 bucks is a little steep? Yeah, I, it would be hard to see this being a separate $15 subscription as part of Game Pass. I have to imagine having Game Pass entitles you to some sort of discount as far as the subscription goes. I don't, I don't know if that's what they so, did with EA Play originally. I'm not sure if that was part of it. Not. Okay, well then, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it would be ridiculous to... I mean, maybe not. Maybe for some people it's a good deal because right. Ubisoft does has, have a massive catalog. You just it, it totally depends on whether or not you like their games. That's some true. people can get tons and tons of time playing one Ubisoft game. Like I could play Assassin's Creed Odyssey forever and I could get my money's worth, but I, it depends on what kind of person you are. And when you look at stuff like Assassin's Creed Infinite uh, or Infinity or whatever it is coming out uh, in the future, I think that's, you know, we're looking at where they're probably going to keep one game or, or something going for a long time or keep kind of adding to the same base game and doing DLC and doing a lot of add-ons. And they're going to try to, I think, get you way, way, way more into games as a service. And I think having something like this will kind of make you go, oh, man, it would cost me so much to get all this DLC or I have to like try to bundle the game. And it's like, oh, you could just have Ubisoft Plus and there every month there will be new you know, stuff and every couple months will be a big new thing and it'll just kind of, you'll always, it's like the thing where I always try to cancel like Disney plus cause a new Marvel show just ended. Mm -hmm. I don't need, I don't need to have it anymore. And then like, they're like, Oh, don't, didn't you forget? She Hulk's about to start. And I'm like, fuck now right. I got to get it back. And I basically only unsubbed for like, tw like 10 days or something like that. that that's, <laughs> I think what they're going to do here where it's going to, you're going to be like, Oh, I only get it for the new assassin's creed. But then they keep kind of making you come back a little bit. It's almost like, wow. Where you, you think, Oh, I'll cancel it for a bit. And you come back again. I think this, I, I've, I've turned a little bit, I've had a heel turn. I think this might actually not be terrible. I, I, again, I mean, it's obviously, it is a product on PC right now, but, you know, having it on Xbox is going to make it way, way, way more casual and, and easy for people to get a hold of and, and get access to. Which, by the way, you mentioned WoW, and it is fucking insane that we have these subscription services now, and WoW is still 15 bucks a month for one game. Like, I am in favor of sub subscription-based MMOs. I think that's the yep. best 
most pure model to make it work. But $15 a month is just too much for an MMO at this point to pay for one game when you get that same price. It gets you so many more games on so many other services. It's just that's something that they're going to have to explore going forward. But that's not part of the conversation today. But it is uh, Activision Blizzard isn't about making more money. Yeah. (laughs) And exploiting nostalgia and addiction. I guess the people are paying for it. It, it, Their market research tells them. That's what I mean. if, if, If they can. If they can do it, then they're going to do it. But when it doesn't work anymore, we'll probably see it lowered to 10 or 5 bucks, or go free to play or something. One day, maybe. Uh, but another part of the story, which I kind of mentioned at the top here, which is pretty interesting, Rainbow Six Extraction, which they've been hyping up a lot here, will be launching now on Game Pass Day 1, January 20th. Pretty crazy. This was initially, felt, this was initially a $60 game. And then it went down to $40 and they said, if you buy it, you can get a free copy for your friend. And now <laughs> it's showing up on game pass day one really feels like Ubisoft is, uh, is feeling that there's a lot of ambivalence here or a lot of full on disdain for the game. And they, uh, they're running with that feeling. They are not, uh, they're not doubling down. They're, they're, they're inching back and they're saying, you know what? Sure. We'll just give it to you for free for mo- for a lot of people. Yeah, Ubisoft is clearly worried about this game. They yeah. feel like they could not have sold it the way they wanted to, so they had to strike this deal with Game Pass. I think it looks like a fine game. It looks fun for what it's going to be, but it doesn't look like it's going to do anything crazy. It doesn't look like it's going to be a, the kind of game that, like Rainbow Six Siege, that people just play forever and ever and become a part of a community. It doesn't look like it has that sort of like those sort of legs to it, but it looks like a fun sort of game in a similar vein to back for blood or something like that, that, you know, I could see myself playing, especially now that it's on game pass. I mean, I don't see why I won't just jump in with some buddies, but I think this is the right move for them. I I do think that it would have way underperformed what they were hoping if they hadn't done this. I think this is a good idea, and I, and I honestly think that this could give the game some life that it wasn't going to have before. I think doing it at launch is smart too, because you're not you're you're not going to immediately lose player base or have a lot of people who are really. I mean, you're still going to have people. Obviously, not everyone has Game Pass, but you're not going to have everyone be so mad about spending full price for this game and then saying it didn't deliver because when it's on Game Pass, a lot of people just go, eh, "It was on Game Pass, whatever. I gave it a try." And but people who try it and they like it will say, I really like this game, but you're not, you rarely see stuff with it coming, a game coming out on game pass day one and people going, what a scam on this game was. Cause they're just like, eh, whatever I got. I, I know, listen, I understand not everyone has game pass, but you know what I mean? It, it, it's certainly accessible, especially I feel like for people who play rainbow six uh, kind of games, I think a lot, probably, probably a lot of them are like PC Xbox players who might have game pass or at least have, you know, tried it. And, and I think that there's, I think there's a lot to it. I think they could have second legs here. I think this could really, you know, pick up. Maybe they'll have some DLC. They'll find a community. They'll find a fan base. Possibly if the game isn't terrible, then I think they have a lot of options here. But then you compare it to something like Marvel's Avengers, which obviously again was like an underperforming game. I think a lot of people knew going in that that was good. That was looking like it wasn't shaping up to be good. Uh, and then what they did was they re-released it got a ton of flack and then they put it on streaming services and you know ps now and, and game pass and sure it had a bit of a second life from that but i think if something like that when, i think when it's this is a cool new strategy because when a studio i think sees that their game might not perform like how they thought it's not shaping up right toss it on a streaming service day one and i think people you won't get 
any of the hate and review bombing that you might have gotten, I think, had it come out and charged money for what is an unfinished game. And then, you know, still you can still charge money for it if people really want to go out and pay money for it, sure. But make it accessible, I think, and at least you'll have a built-in fan base from people who are playing for quote unquote free. Totally. Yeah, I, I think this works for for this is this is totally the kind of game that needs this. And it will have more success now than it would have uh, the other way, just selling like a regular standalone game. So good for them. Yep, totally agree. All right, let's uh, move on. A couple quick stories today, just about some corporate shakeups, but we are running a little long, so we won't go too long on them, but they're pretty interesting. First off, Skull and Bones co-director Antoine Henry leaves Ubisoft after nearly 15 years with the company. Co-director of Skull and Bones just left the company after 15 years. It's not, it's not good. Uh, just a reminder that Ubisoft is legally obligated to release this game because they took grants from Singapore's government to develop the title. Last May, Ubisoft stated that it would be released in its next fiscal year, which begins April 2022. Just a reminder, the game director has left and we have no date on this game, which makes me feel like game is not finished or it's not like he like finished the game and pieced out. Feels like left the mess a little bit here. Just here's the thing. I understand there's an obligation here, but this can't be worth the cost of the grant now, right? I understand money grubbing hmm. companies, corporations don't want to give back money, right? But you got to tell me that it must be, it must save them. There must be, this is the thing, right? It's like Excel spreadsheets. Like you said, there's a couple of nerds there with Excel spreadsheets and they're doing the the money. They're doing, you know what I mean? They're doing the over under, <laughs> they're doing the math, they're doing the, the profit loss and they're saying, hey, listen, yeah. Um, we're spending a lot of money to make this game that'll probably never come out and is a mess, but it's still less than we got, maybe, maybe. Uh, or it's still working out somehow. We're going to make enough money off it eventually that it'll probably worth it. But man, just pay the Singapore government and just cancel it. Nobody even wants it anymore, guys. I think this goes to show you just how much money Ubisoft has that they can just let this keep going because they're doing the same thing with Beyond Good and Evil 2. Like the, they have games that they just don't outright cancel because they have so much money that they can still let a team work on something and just let just the you're burning money, essentially. Yeah, I think ideally they probably obviously I mean, they they want to cover the costs of this with with profits later on. And I think that it's possible with a game like Skull and Bones, just because I think that there's there's an open place in the market for that kind of game. Even if it's not an amazing game, there's an open spot for it just to be a, a pirate game. Um, mm -hmm. Sea of Thieves has done well, but it's really the only thing like it. And I think there's it's very room different. and it's very different, but I think there's room for some sort of naval pirate combat game because there isn't a big triple a title like that. So I don't know. I I've, I've been looking forward to this game for years now. I I don't think there's any chance that it ever ends up being a great game, but I do think eventually, and I've said this before on GG Replay, eventually they'll ship something. Something's going to release, and whether it happens this year, next year, I don't know. I do think I won't be surprised if we do see something about it at E3 this year. Who knows what a co-director leaving even means at this point because yep. the game has been in development hell for for so long. Maybe this guy wasn't even really a, a big part of it anymore anyway. 
maybe it's his vision that they moved on from and maybe right. that's why he left and and maybe he's just been like upset about it for the last few months and they're like dude just let's just part ways because it's not working between mm-hmm. us and so maybe he wasn't even a big deal in the production of this thing anymore anyway so who knows i do think the game's eventually going to come out that's it just seems like a ubisoft thing to do so we'll see yeah, uh, I mean, I will definitely come out because they're. Uh, I, I want to remind you, legally obligated <laughs> to release this game <laughs> by the Singapore government. True, true. Uh, so it, it sounds like it's probably going to go out because I, I don't think Ubisoft has any intention of uh, trying to pay back grants or anything like that. They're they're just they're just running with it. And, and it, you know, it's funny you said that thing about them burning uh, development money. It, we just had that our same story we talked about on Monday with Ken Levine and his uh, team, Ghost Story, how they've been working for like eight years on a new game and you know they basically the amount they maybe spend a year to keep that studio afloat is like what they you know take two makes two days in gta online so it's funny these studios are so big they're making so much money i'm sorry not studios these publishers are so big and making so much money that yeah they can have a few development studios that they think well as long as they think at some point they're going to make enough money back to kind of make their small operating costs that that's all it really takes especially when they're not really expensive games when you when you publish a game like Uno, I mean, you've got all the money in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's uh that's that's video game numero uno, Matt. Oh. Yeah. Uh all right. Playground Games, we love them. We love them. They're they're the Forza Horizon developers and they're also working on Fable. Well, Playground Games co-founder Trevor Williams is set to replace Gavin Rayburn as studio head. Probably not a big shakeup, but I think it's good to mention a little bit of a change up here. Announced today, Microsoft and Playground Games revealed Gavin Rayburn, who has served as studio director and co-founder for the past 12 years, which is the the lifetime of the studio, is leaving the company. General manager and partner co-founder Trevor Williams will step up as studio head in Rayburn's place. So it's good. We have we have uh, another co-founder here who's clearly involved, who's pretty clearly in here. It sounds like, you know, a few people have gotten together to make this studio over a decade ago. You know, one person was kind of the main person and now they've moved on and, and one of, you know, their their co-conspirators here, one of their, mm-hmm. one of their uh, you know, their main colleagues has come up uh, who also shares the vision and is moving forward, which is good. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of interesting because, you know, they're working on Fable, obviously, and they're moving on from driving games, especially interesting because Gavin Rayburn was was big in dealing with um, the dirt games and grid games and a bunch of other driving games. So kind of interesting to see this. I'm not saying it's like a, you know, anything nefarious or anything, but it's just kind of interesting to see this guy clearly has a lot of history in driving games and maybe seeing Playground move on from that to working on stuff like Fable, you know, might just not be his bag anymore. Maybe he says, you know, I like making the driving games and I'm just going to kind of pass it on now to the main, you know, start of the company now or the main uh, drive of the company to someone who's just maybe more into this type of game or the future of how this, you know, the company's going to become more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You just work on a variety of games. You know what I mean? Yeah, this this doesn't seem like concerning at all. I mean, no. a lot of times you'll see these sort of moves happen right after a big game is released. And obviously Forza Horizon 5 was released not, not too long ago. So, you know, he probably crossed his T's, dotted his I's on that, and now he's good to, to go off. I, I do wonder... Now... I do wonder if this means that Fable is kind of close to being done or at least in a really good state where they just don't even need him anymore, um, where they don't they don't need his his leadership. I don't know how much he would have actually been directly involved with the game, but yeah. they might be in a, in a place where they're just like, 
you know, a good, good transition period because the game is like the game is set. Like they know what the game is going to be. And it's really just like finishing touches, probably doing story stuff, probably doing voice acting stuff, getting all that sort of stuff in, but the actual like game mechanics and game world and all that kind of stuff is done. So I wonder if this is, is actually good news for Fable because he's leaving, not, not because he wasn't good for Fable, but because him leaving means that he was able to leave and it wouldn't affect the Fable project at all. I think here, what we're seeing, maybe we're getting into the meat of Fable's development. We're really getting into the nitty gritty with it. And I think maybe in that scenario, this is just my guess that, like I said, Rayburn wasn't as into, you know, maybe wanted to lead the company that way. No problem. But, you know, less into making that kind of game, not in a bad way, but just, you know, maybe that was more of William's forte. And he says, oh, I'm going to leave it in your hands because you seem to know what's going on here. And they're really getting in They, You know, they, they haven't worked on for, you know, they finished Forza Horizon 5. It's, it's, it's kind of a perfect Forza game. I don't know if we're going to even come out with another Forza anytime soon. We don't have any, like, you know, announcement. I mean, not that we would necessarily, but, you know, we might really be getting into the meat of Fable now and spending maybe a, a year or two really building this game out. And then I think maybe that's why they're maybe moving Williams to the front line. Again, doesn't matter. Could just be a guy moving on. It's all good. But I think it's just kind of neat because they are experiencing such a transition from making the same game to making a very different game, both very good. So... Yeah, it could also be that, you know, the acquisition happened. They released Forza Horizon 5. Maybe he just doesn't like necessarily working with Microsoft. Not not that Microsoft is doing anything wrong. He Maybe Whoa. he just misses Tablo- being tabloids. You're here to, you're <laughs> to hear first, folks. I mean, things change when you get acquired like you are not the top guy anymore. Right. So before dealing with them mm-hmm. as a publisher i guess maybe as a second party i don't know exactly what the relationship was but now you are directly reporting to those people so it changes the way that those relationships work and and maybe for him it's just not necessarily what he wants out of his career so but either way like nothing out of this sounds bad it's just a guy moving on and and a guy who whose lineage is racing games and yeah playground games is going to keep making racing games but they're also doing other things now and so and they were told you're making fable and i'm sure they wanted to but before they were just you know the racing game studio so was that was that supposedly was that supposedly the way that went down that they were kind of assigned that project is that kind of what the rumors are i mean there were i don't i don't actually know i I assume it was probably done in a way where they're like hey who wants to make fable pitch us your fable game playground games wanted to so they made a pitch for fable and and they got it sure But, but maybe Gavin wasn't necessarily as gung-ho as other people in the studio. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, hard hard to say, but it is kind of interesting just because they're doing such a big shift. That's why I wanted to talk about it today. But yeah, we don't need to uh, squeeze blood from a stone here with that one, but it is kind of neat. I will say the coolest thing that I thought uh, about this, just kind of the funniest bit, uh, was that Microsoft has a CVP, a corporate vice president of Forza and Fable. Hmm. that's a cool role that's uh alan hartman who is the cvp of forza and fable and he said a fond farewell to rayburn in the presser but yeah i thought that was kind of funny i just was like see i was like what is that and it's a corporate vice president of forza and fable so that that person's job is just running those running those ips which i think is really cool (laughs) they're like that's two great ips the double f man they call it yeah yeah, fast and furious. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no. Uh, last thing I'll say, just uh, on you saying you maybe didn't like working with Microsoft. Phil Spencer is an ogre. He's an absolute ogre. Wouldn't want to work with the man. I'll tell you right now. 
I think him and uh, him and oh, what's his name? Ted. Uh, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Who's Bethesda? Who's uh, Todd Howard? Todd Howard. Ted. Ted Howard. Ted, Discount Todd Howard. Ted Harold. Uh, yeah, him and Todd Howard just get you in a room and they and they bully you with their their beautiful cinematic way of speaking. I don't know what I'm saying. It's been a long episode, Matt, but it's been so great. There's been a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. So we had to go long because PSVR was just, I'm so excited. We give the people what they want, Paul. They do. People, people emailed us and they said, I want my GG replay to be about an hour. And I said, that's insane. Have you heard the hour long GG replays? Do you know how they end? All right. Let's move on. Speaking of ending, this is the end of the show. But don't forget, we do have a website, goodnightgriffs.com. So if you want more of our content, you can head over there right after this show. Check out more episodes of this show. You can check out Game Grooves, our all-encompassing gaming podcast. You can check out our YouTube channel with Southern Fried Grooves, our Let's Play series that comes out Tuesday and Saturday. We are chock full of stuff. Also, we have a Game of the Year post on our blog, which is pretty cool to check out too. So uh, Game of the Year was Halo Infinite. I spoiled it. So if you want to go check that out and see some of our, our little feelings on that, our little feelings, <laughs> I'd say it like that. You want to share our little feelings on Halo Infinite? You can go check that out on goodnightgrooves.com. Also, we have a Patreon. So if you want to hear, I don't know, me do more baby talk or something, uh, or just really like what we do, head over to patreon.com slash goodnightgrooves. You guessed it, to check out our three different support tiers, including the $3 plus tier, which gets you early access to game grooves normally on a Sunday, but you can listen to it on a Friday. What a treat. That's what we call value over here at the Goodnight Grooves. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It means so much to us. And also, uh, you know, maybe maybe more people will listen and then we'll get paid. And then these episodes can be five or six hours long. We can no, do them all day, no, baby. No. And everyone will listen to them. <laughs> Matt, do you have anything else to say before we head out of here for this hump day edition of GG Replay? If you want five-hour GG Replay episodes, you're going to have to subscribe to Goodnight Groups Plus, uh, which doesn't <laughs> exist yet, but it's going to be $14.99 a month, and uh, it's going to be your the next great subscription service that you cancel uh, after signing up so you don't get charged a second month. <laughs> We're going to really hide that cancellation button. All right. That's You're going to have to call for, us. You have to call, call us. All right. That's going to be it for today's GG Replay for Wednesday, December. Whoop. Wednesday, January 2022, 5th what of January. What is happening? What? <laughs> I'm not editing it, Said I'm leaving it in. This is the end of an hour-long show, and this is what happens. This is what happens when there's actual news to talk about. We will see you again on Friday. Until then, good night, Cruz.